Welcome to Dig Beneath Design, a podcast where design professionals share how they communicate their work. I'm Sanaya Norton, landscape architect, and after 20 years of practice, I've seen how communication can make or break a project, no matter how great the idea. So I'm going out into the industry to uncover the best design communication strategies and tips to help us be more effective, more articulate designers and get more great ideas off the ground. Think of two of your favourite things. Imagine creating a website about them that becomes an overnight success with thousands of followers. Georgina Reed did just that when her online magazine The Plant Hunter burst onto the scene with style, wit and heartfelt stories about people and plants. Georgina takes us behind the lush images, revealing the impacts of sudden fame and self-doubt. How she had to let go of her head to write from the heart what she'll never forget about working for Jamie Dury, and essential advice for anyone who wants to put their ideas out into the world. It's a sunny afternoon on the Hawkesbury River in Sydney. We're set up at the kitchen table in Georgina's timber shack with big windows that frame the bushland around us. Even though we've just met, I feel like we're old friends. The dog's napping on the floor. Georgina says what she thinks and swears comfortably. Let's get down to the good dirt on Dig Beneath Design. My name's Georgina Reid and I'm the founder and editor of The Plant Hunter online magazine. The Plant Hunter is centred around exploring the relationship between people and plants and on a number of different levels. So horticulture, art, design, living. So just any sort of way that we engage with the natural world, I guess. One of the reasons I started Plant Hunter was because I wanted to write as me and I found that there weren't that many avenues for that. You know, I could, I was writing for um, lifestyle magazines and I still do sometimes and that's fine but that's a certain type of writing. You know, there's not, the eye isn't in there, you know, it's really, you know, this is this and this is that and this is a nice design and this is why. I guess I wanted to write more personal, subjective, story-based things. And that's that's actually just how I write. So, you know, when you start a publication, it's actually a wonderful thing because you can just frame it the way you want to. I just wanted to give myself a platform for my voice, which, of course, it's not just mine. There's lots of other voices interwoven. But all writers that do pitch stories, I always say, just tell me your story. You know, be yourself, be subjective, Tell me it's, what you think, yeah, what you tell feel. Yeah, tell me what you feel, how, how something makes you feel. I think I wanted to have a place for stories that didn't really have a home elsewhere. I mean, what you're talking about is something that I'm fascinated with and I feel like if designers can write that way about their work or their ideas, they have mm. a better chance of getting people engaged so with true. their ideas. I think that's definitely <laughs> true. But I think that's just about being true to yourself and... I mean, that's something I've always been very good at, I guess. I've always had a strong sense of who I am. And I guess my writing is very much expressive of that. It's just who I am. Mm. Um, and as I've gotten more confident, I think I've let go of trying to be something or say something that I think other people might want to hear or that I think might sound important or fancy I just 
just speak from me. I think that's all you can do as a writer. So I guess if I was talking to designers about communicating their designs, I think it's just being honest and kind of truthful, which is always easier said than done. But I guess that's also knowing yourself and knowing why you're doing it. Did you have any training in writing before starting the, the website? I did. So I studied journalism at university. But I actually don't think, you know, that was good for sentence structure maybe. or it's okay, which is know, important. It was, it was, I guess it maybe it gave me the confidence to say, oh, well, I've got a degree in writing so I can, I can write. But when I was studying, I think my writing was really average. It was pretty shocking. But that's because I was trying to write to this formula of I'm reporting the news or I'm writing something about something else in an objective way that is common in, in you know, newspaper publishing don't bury um, the lead yeah and all of that like stuff that. <laughs> and kiss which i can't remember what it stands for keep keep, keep it. it simple stupid <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one that's about all i remember from uni um and i think i was really stifled by that because i never ever found my voice when i was at uni writing all the time in that way and, and when i finished i was like this is not something i want to do so it wasn't until i discovered plants and design that I then sort of also found my voice through that. So how did you discover plants and design? I was working in this crappy media job and I was killing time on the internet and I discovered permaculture. It's like holy shit this is an amazing thing like this whole worldview around yeah you know whole movement yeah and so that yeah. that really just blew my mind and then I was like right I'm going to go and do a permaculture design certificate and then for some reason I thought I should do horticulture as well because I wanted to be really good at it. So I thought I needed to know horticulture and know plants really well to be designing permaculture gardens, which I still think that is a good thing. But then, of course, I went to study horticulture and landscape design at Ride TAFE. Um, and then I never, ever have gone back to do any permaculture <laughs> study. I've talked to lots of permaculturalists and I get really excited about it. But um, I've never actually gone and done the design certificate. Did you go straight into a job after that? Yep, so I got a job at Patio with Jamie Jury when I was finishing my studies at Ride Tape, I think in the last six months. I got a job there working part-time and then when I finished, I got a full-time job there. <laughs> and what did you observe about communication in that world? <laughs> That's a good, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What oh sticks with God. you from that time? What sticks with me from that time? Well, let me think about that. Now, if you don't know Jamie Dury, he's a former dancer turned celebrity landscape designer. Great smile, killer abs. He's got hit TV shows, books, and an award-winning design business. Well, Jamie is a very charismatic communicator. He could basically pitch anything to anyone and have them on board within five minutes. He's very, very good at getting people really excited and, and saying yes to, you know, huge sums of money and crazy mm. design concepts. So that was one thing I learned observing him. But he, he also just like, you know, in design or in, if you're designing a garden and it's kind of a bit way out and then you take it to the construction guys and they say, oh, well, you can't do this. But... Jamie was just like, just find a way to do stuff. Like there was no kind of limits to, to um, his thinking in terms of what could be done and how it could be done. So 
in a creative sense, it was a really fun office to be a part of because there wasn't any, um, this is our style and this is how we do things and these are the rules. You know, it was just like, what can we do here? How mad can we make this space? And sometimes they were, you know, over the top. But as a, as a young designer, it was super fun. Mm-hmm. I guess what, I, what I'm seeing in the industry now that I'm looking at it closely is that we spend a lot of our time as designers thinking about how we'd explain it to another designer, yep. how we'd explain it to a peer or our boss mm. or a colleague mm. and not enough to somebody who may be the end user of it yep. or maybe as important as our client or a community group that this project is for. Yeah. Yes, and it's tricky because it alienates, you know, it creates a, a very immediate separation between the designer and, and the end user, whether it's, a, yeah, a community group or not, um, mm. or a private garden owner. Yeah. I think a mistake that designers often make, and this comes through in the end product when, you know, when they're communicating it to a client is not asking the client enough questions at the beginning. And so the communication might not necessarily just to be, be about telling them your ideas. It's really actually talking and asking questions of the client and making sure you really, really, really understand what it is they want, um, what, what they like, more importantly, what they don't like and why they don't like it and where this comes from. And then, you know, in terms of the design process, you have all of this gold to work with. And then presenting that to a client, if you've really taken on board what they're saying and often what they're not saying, but, you know, they may not be saying it verbally, but it's, 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 um, it's, a, it's an in-between-the-lines thing and you present that back to them in a way that shows that you've understood what they're, that what they're wanting and, and what they're needing and explain your response to that. I mean, that's very formulaic, but if you're engaging a designer to design something for you, you really want to be heard. And if you're a designer, it doesn't matter how great you are and how creative, um, if you can't listen and then you can't show that you've listened, it's, it's a very hard thing to convince someone of your great design. And is the language you use important? Well, I don't swear. So maybe <laughs> I probably do. <laughs> That's probably not true. Yeah, I think it is. I think people will glaze over if you start talking too much design speak. So you agree there is design speak? Yeah, I think so. You know, you talk. I remember actually there is. And I'm going to pick on landscape architecture students because the landscape architects I used to work with, this is coming back to me now. They'd write these blurbs for these, you know, we'd be doing a resort in Singapore or something fancy up in Queensland and there'd be this paragraph of like the design philosophy and it was freaking horrible. <laughs> I can't even remember what it was, but it's yeah, all that, that university design talk that um, made me cringe and probably the clients just didn't even know what they were talking about. No. So, yes. And I think it's really important to understand those things conceptually as a designer, but I think it's more important to then be able to translate them and and weave that into a story for a client that they can relate to. That's just key, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to get people to loosen up and and just say what they think about something and what hit them when they first went Mm. to site. What are you Mm. excited about on this project? Mm. What opportunities did you see? Yeah, instead of trying to make it into a big conceptual thing. Something that landscape architects and architects in my workshops 
get worried about is that if they do start writing like they talk, writing a bit more informally, a bit more personally, they won't be taken seriously as a professional. Mm. They're concerned about that. Oh, I can't write like this. I can't put this in a report. I can't write an email to my client like this. Mm, I've never thought about that before. I probably wrote more formal emails when I was designing than um, I would have. Yeah, they would have been different to the way I express myself through Plant Hunter, definitely. I guess it's different platforms. I think there's expectations around communication in a business arena. So I think that there's merit sometimes in, you know, in being very professional and, and not sort of being subjective and, and emotional. I think that can get a bit tricky, but I think it depends, yeah, what, what sphere you're talking. Communicating a project, I think emotions are actually really important. If they don't touch you on an emotional level, they're not working. There's something wrong there, I think. Um, or, or it's a wasted opportunity. So to get a space to touch you on an emotional level, you know, you need, there's a story there and the story needs to be told. So I guess in that sense, communicating that story to a client and building this, this story and this connection to a site or to a design, I think is very, very important. So I think there's room for, for subjective, emotional or emotive um, language in communicating design concepts, maybe keep the emails professional. Mm, yeah, it's probably safer, isn't it? Probably safer. <laughs> Can I ask a bit about your writing process? So mm. how do you how do you go about writing? How do you approach writing to deadline? Tell me a bit about um, your process. Writing. Well, since I've been writing this book, that's been an amazing process because it's probably the first time I've given myself the time to just, you know, germinate, I guess, let, let ideas sort of settle and float and not have to be expressed immediately into, you know, the computer. So a lot of my writing is, is based on, you know, it might be a profile of different a person or, or I guess some ideas based stuff. And I like to think a lot. I think that's really, really important. And that's something I've been really enjoying giving myself the space to. I, could, I try not to um, have too many fixed ideas in my head. So I kind of sit down and sometimes I might like close my eyes and then I just do kind of freestyle writing for a bit just to see what What's, comes what's out. that? Are your it's eyes just, open at that time? Um, sometimes. <laughs> you know, when you do, it's sort of a writing exercise, I think. I've always just done it. I might be reading back through an interview transcript I've done. And then I might sort of have something might strike me and then I might just start sort of writing about that. But I try not to let my head get in the way and I just kind of write what's inside, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. often that's, you know, it might go somewhere or it might not. But I generally start like that and just sort of see what comes out because often it's, you know, things stick with you about a person or an experience and sometimes you don't necessarily know what what they are until they appear um, yeah and so sometimes they just appear and then I go all oh, right that's that's the angle that's that's where I'm going with this and then poof, it just goes yeah 
Um, and are you at a keyboard when you do that, or yeah, is it? I'm at. A, I'm the. I'm the messiest writer in the world. Okay. Shocking. So bad. I can't even take. I can't take notes anymore. I have to type them or do something. I, sometimes I feel like I can barely hold a pen anymore. Oh, I hold terrible. it in this weird claw. Yeah. Like just... I've, I've always been messy, but like now I'm just. I'm a disaster. Do you touch type? I'm really fast. You can touch. Okay. I am fast. So you can type with your eyes I shut can, if you need to. Pretty much. Just free write. Yeah. So I when I do that. the free write, I just like, I don't really look. I just write and then I don't worry about spelling mistakes or anything like that. And then I go back through it and save it if it is warrants saving or deleted if it's shit. <laughs> yeah. And then often then I just will leave that for like a day because I feel like, okay, I've got something or I, for however long I have the liberty of leaving it, which sometimes isn't long enough. And then I come back to it, and once the angle or the, the the direction sort of appears in that first bit, then I know that I can come back to it and do it quite quickly and get something written. So, with this the book that you're writing, have you been spending a bit of time each day writing, or? Oh yeah, that was intense. That was like a few okay. months of solid writing. It's called The Plant Hunter: Truth, Beauty, Chaos, and Plants. So. It's really an exploration of the ways people connect to themselves and the earth through the act of gardening. And, you know, that's not residential backyard kind of go and plant your roses. It's sort of thinking about, you know, the ways we cultivate the earth and, and, and whether that's, you know, large scale regenerative agriculture projects in New Zealand or guerrilla gardening in LA or, you know, all sorts of different levels and layers of, of, gardening so it's kind of a broadening hopefully of, of the definition of what it is to garden and also a, a way of hopefully it's kind of gardening as a it's you know care and attention I guess is what I think have thought about a lot since writing it and this that's kind of what gardening embodies is you know you have to care and you have to pay attention and how can that then frame the way we interact with the world and the way we see the wider world and the wider challenges of being here. Sounds amazing. And I would give things a bit longer then. So then I'd sort of spend, I basically spent like, I don't know, maybe four days or sometimes a week with someone. And it was really nice because I'd start this process and then I'd go for a walk or I'd do some gardening. But this sort of story and this person was always bouncing around in my head and that felt like such a luxury. And then coming back to something and going, oh God, <laughs> chop that, add this, you know, letting something sit for a few days once you've think you've finished it and then coming back to it with a clear head. Are you much of a perfectionist with your own writing? How many edits do you do until you're happy uh, with it? I am and I'm not. Like my neighbour the other day sent me a text saying, great article, and pointed out two spelling mistakes in the introduction. <laughs> so I'm not a perfectionist. I could keep fiddling with stuff, but also with publishing, you know, we do... We publish three stories a week and I, I just don't have the time. I just have to write it, edit it, make sure I'm happy with it and then I just set it free. Is there a setting that you write in? I write in the boat shed. It's really rough. <laughs> so you just take a laptop down there? Oh, I've got a computer down there. Oh, so okay. that's, I wrote the whole book in there. Like I have a coffee, then I just go down there, have my breakfast, just write and then come out. The dog harasses me about 3.30 to go for a walk but yeah mornings is the best writing times for me I find. What would you tell somebody who wants to start their own design blog? What's the one key bit of advice you'd give them from your experience? 
Hmm. I'd say, <laughs> just think about that. <laughs> I would make them ask themselves why they're doing it and what their expectations are and what their realistic time commitment can be to that. Plant Hunter has completely taken over my life in ways that I did not realise it was going to. And, you know, I don't regret it in the slightest because I had no idea that this is where it would take me. What were your expectations of it? I was hoping I could make money out of it, which I guess, you know, it's sort of sustaining me. I approached it quite seriously, like it wasn't a half-assed idea. It was something that I'd invested a lot of time into developing and, and launching. But I guess I didn't actually think that many people would be that interested in it. So I think that has always shocked me. Mm. That Was um, there a moment where it, it suddenly took off? Or were no, you just it was like right at the beginning because the Design Files did a story on it just after I launched. And from then it just, like I had 9,000 people or something. I can't remember. There were just all of these thousands of figures rolling around and I was absolutely shitting myself. And, and then I started writing for them. So I guess it's just grown. People seem to like it. They found it. I don't, I don't even know how and why. It's what I look for yeah. when I, you know, and you're roaming around on the web yeah. and you find something in your line of interest, plants mm. and design, but it's, it's how you write about it. Yeah, I think it is, and I didn't. I never ever realised that that would be the case. But it, it, that's the feedback I most often get. I was was in tears with one woman once. She came up to me, and she was like, she got really emotional, and I got really emotional, and she was just like, you know, thanking me, and I was like, oh my god, what are you? So we were both just like, so yeah, so things like that. Just I, I kind of. Um, yeah. I was so touched and so humbled because I never, never expected that people would respond in the way that they have in such a nice, generous way. What about if you could look back and talk to yourself when you were starting out the Plant Hunter at that moment, what would you say to yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Oh. I would give myself a really big hug because oh. I just... Oh my God, I'm probably going to get emotional now. I'm really good at crying. Um, the first year was really, really full on for me and I had no idea what was coming and I was just terrified. And I, you know, I, I, still, I still feel that sometimes, but I was so worried I was going to make the, a wrong step or people were going to think I was like an idiot or they were going to realise that I actually wasn't as great as they might have thought I was. Like it was a great year because so much happened or a great couple of years, you know, it was amazing all of a sudden being catapulted just to somewhere that I didn't know I was going, but I just found it really confronting and I, yeah, I think I would have needed a really big hug and I don't know, it'll be okay. <laughs> Maybe just <laughs> don't worry too much. You know, I spent so much time worrying about what, how I was being perceived. Is there any kind of persona or brand that you feel is the plant hunter and it's mm. separate to you as a person or do you feel like it's one Now that is a great question. I think, I didn't think about it when I first made the brand and I never ever once thought that I would be the plant hunter. Like the name was just this other thing and the website was this other thing. 
Um, so there was never any, oh, I'm going to be the plant hunter. I couldn't believe it when people first started saying that. I was horrified. But then, you know, in the same breath, I built an entire platform based around my passion, my ideas, my voice, myself. So I made this thing that I thought was always separate. And I think I was hiding behind this, this you know, nicely designed site and this, you know, it's very beautiful thing. Um, lots of nice images. And I think I was created that so I could then hide behind it. But at the same time, it was all of me and it still is all of me. But always been a bit of a tension there, I think, in either do I need to separate myself from this so I can kind of feel not as emotionally attached to it when, you know, if someone's criticising it, or do I just say, shit, this is me, that's it. I quite often have that conversation with myself. Part of it, I think, is when you do create something, it comes from so deep inside mm. you, it's always going to be part of you. It is. And it any is. criticism of that is always going to feel like a criticism of yourself. Mm. And, and designers experience this all the time. Mm. When someone criticises their idea, especially yeah. students and young people designing yeah. for the first time, you, you take it completely personally. Yeah, you do. And I still always do. I mean, everyone loves plants, so I don't really have to deal with criticism very much at all even. Subject matter. but even then yeah. like I think more it's my own kind of criticism and my own is this good enough or is this you know is this shit what am I saying here that just comes back to kind of backing yourself and trusting yourself and mm. what you're saying at the very beginning what's true for you yeah it's a good thing to remember for yeah. everyone doing anything whether they're designing writing but yeah it's a strange beast yeah I've loved our chat. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. No thank problems. you for, for being on Dig Beneath Design. You've been listening to a podcast of Dig Beneath Design, here to help you in your daily design communication challenges. So I'd love to hear from you, what you think of the show, what you want to know. Tell me the design communicators that inspire you. Or maybe there's a great story from your own experience that can help your fellow designers. Find more interviews at sndc.com.au forward slash Dig Beneath Design. Dig Beneath Design is brought to you by SNDC. Original music by Adam Jones. Sound and photography by James Norton. Engineered and mastered at Sound Kitchen Sydney. I'm Sunea Norton. Join me next time for more good dirt on Dig Beneath Design. <laughs>